The Car Guys Report Informed Automotive is up next, but first, take a listen to this other fine Opi show. Coming to a podcast near you on the Opi Shows and Radio Misfits Podcast Network, it is And Friends. We are back with Season 3. I'm Sam. I'm Tommy. And I'm Kimmy. We talk about everything and anything you could possibly think of. Tommy, what do you usually talk about? I like to talk about just anything that'll take us down a rabbit hole and start a discussion about it. Kimmy, what are you up to? Well, I have some sex talk for this season, but I've changed it a bit for you boys. Changed it. Because I want to keep it fresh and hopefully make it not as raunchy. Oh. But Sammy, what do you got? Oh, I got Florida Man stories that are a little bit shorter and a little bit funnier, I'll have to say so myself. But you'll hear all of that on And Friends. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Certainly glad to have you with us here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. I'm Mark Vernon, along with uh, Lou Costable, and our man in the field, Roger Rexroad, has come in from the cold. And Roger, thanks for uh, being here in the Car Guys Report studio once again. You're welcome. Uh, Today, we are doing a special two-part episode on the brand-new Chevy Corvette C8, the uh, eighth uh, series evolution of the Corvette uh, since its introduction in 1950. I want to say 54, or was it 53? 1953. And arguably the most talked-about car of the year in 2019, if not the decade or even longer than that. They've been alluding to mid-engine Corvettes since the late 50s with uh, Zora Arcus Duntov, and it's just been something that has been teased relentlessly. And we're going to have the uh, Car Guys Report take on the uh, new C8. I wanted to just start with basically our cred and experience with Corvettes and or Chevy. Um, I don't have a lot of... uh, long-term Corvette experience, but I did purchase a, a 1992 C4 um, in the middle of 2019. So I think I kind of understand the the allure of a Corvette as far as why people really uh, get into what this car is all about. Uh, my earliest recollection of, of Corvette enthusiasm happened when I was a kid. I was probably maybe 10 years old. And my dad, who was a car guy, he never had any like really cool muscle cars or anything, but he was a car guy. And that's where I got a lot of my um, enthusiasm for cars. And I remember one time in the, it must have been the early 70s, we went out to take a look at, I believe it was like a 1956 or 57 Corvette that was for sale. And I just remember that would be such a cool car if he ended up buying it. Of course he didn't, but I do remember that. And I always thought that, you know, at some point I will own a Corvette. I always think that every true car guy should own a Corvette at, at one point in their life just to experience it. Honestly, I don't think it's going to be a long-term acquisition uh, from my standpoint, but um, I'm certainly enjoying it. And like I said, I kind of get it. it it's it's a, something about the car. You, you look at the, the way it's put together, the, the features it has, even in 1992 when they had a lot of new things that they didn't have before. So you can kind of understand... Um, you know, the cult-like appeal to it. Uh, Lou, I know that you drive a, a Dodge Viper, which would be kind of uh, Dodge's modern answer to a, a modern Corvette. Well, let, let's stay focused on the Corvette. What year do you have? A 90, uh, 92. Okay, so you've got a 92. And you mentioned that 
everybody should have a Corvette if they're a car person. Why'd At you, some why, point. Why'd you say that? I just think because it, it's it's an iconic car. I, I'm into things that are iconic. I mean, I have a Porsche 911. That's an mm-hmm. iconic car. Yeah. Um, and I just think a Corvette represents the best of American sports car ingenuity and, and engineering. Yeah. I just think that Corvette has always, or the Chevrolet has always um, taken pride, I think, in, in making the Corvette something special. And it just says it's always been somewhat limited production. And it's just something that people can really enjoy and, and, and experience for a lot less money than a comparable European car many right, times, right, too. Right. And that was the other thing. The, the, the affordability, the accessibility of it, I think, plays into it as well. But that's, just, that's my take on it. I just think if you're a true car guy, you should have a Corvette at some point in your life. So, and I, I'd agree with you, and it's, it's General Motors, best sports car because it would be yeah not only chevrolets but it's really the well you think of the ford gt all right and then you think of the to your point and i'm glad you brought it up the dodge viper so i so dodge that would be their best sports car ford would be the ford gt possibly the mustang shelby gt 500 yeah i mean the only other comparable on the on the gm side at least in my minds of thinking right now would be a camaro you know, a high-end Camaro, but that's still yeah, a four-seat car. It's not a, it's yeah, not a that's true not, two-seater. That's, that, that wouldn't be, I agree with you. That's not the sports car yeah. level. And, and GM has always made it very clear. This is our very special, unique fiberglass body. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not supposed to be a family car. Uh, you know, it's no, got it's two designed seats. for a specific purpose, which <laughs> right. is performance. Performance, race car, yeah. you know, light, et cetera. So, so I want to make sure we're clear that and i agree with everything you said it's the most talked about car uh probably of the decade etc uh and for general motors clearly their best sports car it's always been it's always been a halo car for them too halo car and not that everybody can afford it so it is a it's still kind of a dream car yeah it is you know so granted you could get a used one and if you play your cards right you can you know which i did i mean i obviously bought a 27 year old corvette and the c4s are basically kind of unloved for whatever reason but they're affordable they're cheap right and it's a hell of a car for the money yeah and even if you're not going to keep it long term or if you just want to experience it and i know it's worlds different than you know even a c7 right now or even a c6 but uh then the c8 is just you know a whole nother step forward which we'll obviously be talking about but uh it is that that certain amount of affordability if you buy one used i think one thing that keeps people away from a corvette in general is depending on their age and their driving record is the insurance on it yeah because the insurance can be astronomical yeah um because it's a car you can get in trouble with pretty easily if you're caught speeding or oh i was really doing 120 i I didn't know that so my take on the corvette i mean number one i agree with you iconic general motors I'll call it best sports car, period. Definitely gives you the value of a European sports car at a at a price point, much less. Uh, I think Jay Leno said it best, where it's probably the most, you know, best value. Oh, it is. Totally, yeah. From a, from a horsepower standpoint for what you get. Uh, so, so, and the other thing I'll say with it, similar to a Ford GT or a Dodge Viper, no matter what your Viper, no matter what your Corvette, they're all good looking. Oh, they are. Yeah. See one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and now eight. All of them are good looking. There's not a bad looking Corvette. I mean, if you just sit back and look at any year. And they've aged well, too, which is nice. I, you know, again, we can talk, we'll be talking about this later on in the episode, but, uh, 
how well the C8 is going to age will be something to be seen in another 20 years. But you look at, you know, my C4, which is 27 years old. I think it's a great looking car. I mean, it's low, it's sleek, it's got angles, it's pointy, it's cool looking, you know? Yeah, it it makes you look. Yeah, it does. Yeah, no doubt. And Roger, you know, I know you grew up in Detroit, so you're obviously steeped in General Motors and, and, and Cardum and everything like that in Detroit. What is your cred so to speak with corvettes i know that you you have a font of 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 things in your mind on the corvette i do well my late dad um moved up from west virginia to um work for general motors in 1966 and when i tell you there's no traffic light in the town he's from i'm telling the truth he came up and at 22 years old bought a 66 triple black corvette coupe 327 350 horse four speed 336 rear end took the front bumpers off and put torque thrusts on it cool so i mean and then and the and, rest is history right yeah and he drove it he and drove, you're wearing a corvette yeah. c2 shirt today yeah, I and, see. and got the corvette grand sport one, one of five made total so well but, how did you find this shirt because i mean when you, when you think all right we won't give them what? a tip because they're not a sponsor okay, but, okay <laughs> no. I, I did see what you had on there but but good shirt today, Roger. Theme dressing. Good. Yeah, theme dressing. Good. You are listening to the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Be sure to tell a friend about our podcast. It is the Car Guys Report. It's available online at radiomisfits.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Car Guys Podcast. And, of course, email us anytime with your thoughts, your comments, your, your suggestions, your angry emails. Of course, we don't want to get too many of those. But, hey, whatever you have to say, let us know. Report at hotmail.com. This is the special Corvette C8 episode part one. I'm here, Mark Vernon, along with uh, Luke Hossible and our man in the field, Roger Rexroad, today. And we're talking, of course, about the new Corvette C8. Let's talk about uh, just uh, the start, just in general, the overall design. Of course, the biggest difference is the mid-engine layout. And I've read varying um, opinions as to why GM did that. I think the overwhelming thought is the fact that GM claims that they could not take the front engine rear drive uh, concept chassis layout any further as far as like a performance uh, from a performance aspect. Do you think that's true? Absolutely. That's what I heard too. They were looking to, to go with a mid-engine setup for to maximize traction because they couldn't get much more traction. And you look at the, the C7 ZR1, it's 755 horsepower. So, you know, if you have a lump back there near the rear wheels, that's going to help. But that car, it's got to be just a hairy beast to yeah. drive. So, yeah, they, they went they went as far as they could go. And one thing that they've done, though, too, that I keep reading about is they've actually, you know, a mid-engine layout is supposedly the best for handling because it's as neutral as possible because you don't have uh, weight uh, out over any axle, it's it's yeah, kind of even distribution. The, yeah. well, well, not quite an even distribution. It surprised me that it does. The, the, this car does not have a fifty-fifty weight distribution, mm-hmm. but it's got the weight between the uh, wheelbase, and that just helps it from you know wanting to be tail happy or something like that. But the Corvette engineers actually engineered some understeer into this car, and they're obviously doing that on purpose because understeering is always safer because if you're understeering you still have time to correct if you've oversteered then you really have to know what you're doing to get out of an oversteer situation so corvette is doing that on purpose usually a mid-engine car should be just neutral it shouldn't have any understeer or any oversteer so it's interesting that they were cognizant of, of kind of being on the safe side but the mid-engine thing is what has i think polarized the um the aficionados and the legion of fans because and i'll use this as an example 
back in the uh, 90s when Porsche decided to start water cooling the 911. It was like this big hubbub, like, oh, you're getting rid of the air-cooled Porsche, and now it's water-cooled, and it'll never be the same and stuff. But they kept the engine in the same spot. They didn't change the entire dynamics of the car. And here at Corvette, for... 60 years has been making almost six yeah over 60 years has been making a car with a front engine rear drive format rear wheel drive only never all wheel drive or anything like that and here all of a sudden finally after years and years and years of talking they they completely changed the ask you know what the car is all about with the mid-engine design of course it's going to change the entire way the car looks and I think that has really thrown some people for a loop. I mean, I've, I've heard people that say, oh, it's great. I can't wait to see it. And, I mean, the Wall Street Journal did an article uh, a while back about uh, quoting one of the um, uh, people they interviewed. It says, I refuse to call it a Corvette. <laughs> It says GM moves engine stirs revolt. And, uh, of course, I think another reason they did it is because they want to try to appeal to a younger demographic. And... I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, how many younger people can Rod, still Rogers, buy a Roger six or 70,000? Roger, so. who's not in the field, yeah. in yeah. the studio, is shaking yeah. his head. No, I can actually see what Roger's <laughs> thinking. Go ahead, Roger. Well, the reason I uh, disagree with that, uh, directing the car to the younger market, is the, the thing that you hear about is, will it fit uh, two sets of golf clubs yeah. in the trunk? Um, I'm not saying that you have to be old to enjoy golf, but if that's one of your selling points on mm-hmm. the car, who are you aiming the car at with that? Yeah. Well, that's always kind of become the de facto standard, though, too, it seems, with, with cars that have limited truck space. For whatever reason, it's like, you know, a zero to 60 time is a standard performance measurement. It just seems like two sets of golf clubs has become the standard measurement for what you can fit into a trunk of certain vehicles. But I, I totally understand what you're saying. The thing about the Wall Street Journal article, um, they were talking to this one guy named Robert Hively, and he's an older gentleman, obviously, so he's... And he's standing in front of his, uh, it looks like a, a C7. He says he's owned six Corvettes, and he's unequivocally not interested in coming up with the new one that he calls a European copycat. And <laughs> it's like... They're styling cues from a lot of various, you know, high-end European cars on the new oh, C8. Oh, there but. are, undoubtedly. Um, and I know that basically the the exterior styling has been what has been panned the most. But Lou's got something to say as well, far as well, let, let's what look we've at, been talking let's look about. Let's look at the two questions wise. we're yeah. talking about, and we can take them each one at a time. The first thing we're talking about is the exterior design, and the other thing we're talking about is the mid engine. Now, even in the C7, I had read. I'm not a you know I'm not a Corvette uh, expert, so I want to make that clear. Um, but the C7 I heard had the transmission in the back end of it which was distributing weight equally. Did you hear that too, Roger? Well, the tran- the transverse, uh, you know, the transmission in the rear actually debuted on the C5 in 1997. Okay. 97's had it, the transmission in the back transaxle. Right. So, yeah. so from a weight aspect, that was one of the Corvettes. Mm-hmm. That's always been a good layout well. too. I mean, a lot of cars have done that and right. it's I think that's a great way to do it. But so, see, they're they're way behind because in 1976 Porsche did that on the 924. So Oh, and and Alpha had it with the GTV6. They had the DD on rear End, and it had the, the transaxle in the back with the V6 in front. It so. just sucks that we're behind on so much technology, whereas before we were the leaders, and now we're behind. They're like, oh, look, we put the transmission in the back. Well, so did Porsche in 1976. And, the, and then that was a, a first front engine Porsche 924, so we're always playing catch-up with this car well, all well, the time. Well, I'm going to talk. We're going to stay on the Corvette, but... You know, when you think of cars in the beginning, it was it was a European thing, right? I mean, Mercedes-Benz and, what is it, Martha or 
Bertha, his wife, takes his car oh, out. Oh, Bertha Benz, yeah. Bertha Benz takes the car out to the mother's house. Yeah, like <laughs> 1895 or whatever it was. Yeah. Dad, they did a great commercial on that if you've seen it on YouTube. She was pretty hot, too. If you ever saw a picture of, of Bertha, she, she was an attractive lady. She really was. Uh, sure, for the no, time. No, she okay, was, for so. the, especially for the time period. You look at some of those older pictures. Everybody's not to husky. get too off. Yeah, no, she, was, she, was, she was very attractive. Back to so. the C.A. Corvette. She had it all, man. She was a car girl. It was yeah. awesome. All right. A car girl with yeah. an attitude. Yeah. I'm taking the car. All right, so uh, back to the, uh, uh, the C8. So if we're just talking outside design, let's stay there, and then we'll flip over to the mid-engine. So the outside design... That is so critical, I think, that they got this right because, exactly your point, whenever you do something drastic to something that's so iconic, that could either kill you yeah. or, you know, let's look at the Edsel. We always think of the, you know, sucking sucking in a lemon or we think of the, they call it the horse collar. You know, that car was supposed to be an honor to Edsel Ford. Mm-hmm. And, you know, although from a styling or from an engineering standpoint, it was a marvel it got terrible reviews because of the outside look of it. This Corvette does look a lot like the C7. I mean, I think the from the front end it looks like a C7, right. but the back end oh. I think is. A, I I agree. Is just I a, agree. A, but the front end, so you felt Corvette looking at it when you first look at it. You're usually going to look at the front end, so you still said, "Hey, this still looks like my C7." And then with the ports on the side, etc. Obviously, you could see the cues, but. Uh, I think that's where they did it right. And then they decided to make a decision, uh, the people at General Motors, let's really take the interior up a notch so that it looks like the best Corvette. Well, it's about time. I mean, Corvettes have been panned for their interior quality. And we'll get that. We'll get to more of that in part two of this special episode. Okay. But, um, yeah, the interiors have been panned for ages. I mean, and, and even my, my, my 92, it's, it's loaded with just a bunch of ill-fitting so, plastic so and things like that. let's ask some simple questions. One to ten. Ten, it's the best Corvette you've ever seen. One, it's the worst Corvette you've ever seen. I'd say maybe a seven. What do you say? What do I think about uh, one Just to ten? Just ranking ten, one to ten, ten the styling. The highest, best looking Corvette. Well, it's not a C2, so I don't know what to say. <laughs> so you would give it less than a... Okay, so you're saying that a C2 would be a, t- would be a 10. It's 11. Okay, so C2 is a... Uh, we'll go to 10 on this one. Roger's <laughs> off the charts with his 11 there. He's yep. wagging his tail. All right, so 10 is a C7. Where, where, excuse me, C2. Where does the C8 fit for you? I haven't seen it in person yet. I can't get but over from the, the front. No, that the is photograph. a fair. That from is, the front, I, I, I'm gonna. I'll say like maybe a seven. Okay, that's seven. a fair. That's a fair um, uh, approach, though, too, because many times you'll see cars in a car magazine, and they'll either look cool in pictures, then you finally see them in real, and like, or go the other way no, around, where like I'm no. not that crazy about. It. Then you finally see it in person. No, I, yeah, and I don't think any Corvette is under a seven. I mean, I think every single Corvette compared to every other car would be a seven or up. So if you, Roger, are saying that the C2, which, by the way, is one of my favorite model years as well. I love the style of that car. I would put this, now here you go, equivalent to that. Wow. Wow. I think that the new version is just as good as that one. And I would actually say the C7, I thought. I thought the C7 is a great-looking car. I thought the C7 that's a, that's was, a, was tied yeah. with the C2. In other words, like yeah. if I actually if money was no object and you were going to go out and they said, pick three Corvettes, I would pick a C7, I would pick a C2, and believe it or not, I'd pick a 78. I always like really? that nose. I always like that Roger just fell off his chair. Roger. Yeah. <laughs> 
I love that back end because I thought that they did the, the rear glass right. That I, was the first year for the bubbled back yeah. window. And, and it was I, also the anniversary edition. And I like that bubble back window. So those would be the three I would pick. So, Roger, go ahead. From Detroit, what would be your top? Money's no object. What would be your three Corvettes you'd pick? Real easy. 1967 Goodwood Green C, C2 uh, side pipes, white stinger, but I want a modern uh, drivetrain in it. That's number one. <gasps> yeah, Resto Modinga Corvette. Wow. That's <laughs> Blasphemy. <laughs> yeah. Blasphemy. That's number one. Number two would be a, a 57 Fuley uh, turquoise with the uh, off-white code. You're not doing anything to the engine on the 57 Fuley, though. I'm not a wrench, so I would want to be able to actually go out and enjoy it. Because as you know okay. from my comments, right. I do like to, I would want to drive everything. Okay. And right. then my next one would probably be... By the way, be, good choice on the 57. Yeah. I think the best C1. Go ahead. And the next one would probably be a 62, uh, one of the rare cars I actually do like in black. So I would I would do a 62 black um, Corvette. Anything in the coves or you're keeping it body no. color? Well, 62s didn't, didn't really... Didn't have color in the coves? No. Okay, so they were all the same body color. It yes. was 61 it was. Okay, great. Mark, what would be your top three I would Corvettes? say, um, well, I have a C4, so I kind of have to maybe go with that, and that'll probably go against most people because some people kind of think that the C4 is a turd yeah, hey, these days, your, your, but your I think it's a great-looking car. Okay. Um, I like the, uh, I guess it would be the C2, the the, the uh, split window. 63. Yeah. yeah. That's just a, a iconic car for me. That, that to me is, I don't care what Corvettes come out from now until eternity. That's, if you had to pick one Corvette, yeah. it would be a 63 fuel injected. I yeah. mean, that that's as top as the ladder goes. Yeah. If, Roger, I'm going to allow you to go over 10, I'd give you a 10.5 <laughs> on that one. Go ahead, Mark. And then All the right. C7, too, I think was a, a, a darn good-looking car. So you car. would not pick a C8? At this point, no. Okay. No. Um, the, the thing that bugs me the most about the styling, and it's it's very derivative of every other mid-engine car out there from the standpoint that, and I don't know what you call it, but it's the way the the front two-thirds of the car, the, the front doors and the front fenders, look like they're coming, being ejected out of the rear part of the, the car where they do like, it, it's like if you would take the, and the Bugatti uh, Veyron is a very good example of that. It looks like someone backed the front half of a car into the, like this cove in back, and it has kind of this design where it looks like it's coming out and I know they do that because they have to have big cooling ducts for the engine and things like yeah. that. But it's just, and I don't know how you can get around that to not still have a, a mid-engine car. I mean, Porsche kind of did it with the um, with the Cayman uh, coupe. It doesn't really look that much like a, a mid-engine car, but it is. And to me, it just looks, people are saying it looks too much like a Ferrari, or maybe it looks a little bit like a McLaren or things like that. Well, this is a Ferrari 360 Modena right here. In the front. Straight up. Yeah. That's what people are saying. So that's the only part that really disturbs me the most. And then the back end is just oh. a, it's just a oh. mishmash of oh. angles and lines. And then Roger's going, he's making faces. I am and fine. With you the are back really in the front and the side. There's also these things called jet airplanes that have what looks like the front end sticking out as something they stuck a back end to. Well, yeah, that's a rocket. Yeah. So uh, I, I I recognize uh, I I enjoy the look. I would. This one would be right there with the rest of them. Really? Yep. Interesting. So what I read from, I listen to Autoline Daily while I'm driving. Mm-hmm. And, Including, uh, and of course, the, the car guys Absolutely. Too, yeah. That's how I get caught up on everything. <laughs> but I heard that because of the uh, economic uh, disaster, uh, what, 10 years ago, 
the mid-engine car was green-lighted by General Motors. And then because of the recession, yeah. I think what we're, sorry, Lou, but I think what we're looking at is a 10-year-old design here. Wow. Okay. Bold statement from Roger Rexrow well, here. Our the, man remember, the, the 10-year-old design just came out. So, right. you, you know, I've... But I, with, this being a, with this being a clean sheet of paper, this is the first mid-engine Corvette coupe. Yeah. Do you think that is the best they could do? I'm pointing at the back, the back end, of the end car. with is the Is that tail, the best the they could do with, lights a, with a clean sheet of paper? That's the best they could do. Well, I'm going to answer your question. I think it is because one of their goals, in my opinion, was to remind people that it's still a... American, And by the way, if you want to talk about what looks like a Ferrari, let's look at the C7. The C7 went from, here's a Corvette, here's a Corvette. Oh, my gosh, it's now a kind of an upgraded Ferrari that looks like, a, you know, that's an American car. Looks with more like a Ferrari uh, coupe, though. Something more like the front-engine Ferraris versus the right. mid-engine, so, I think. So the C7, C7 started with making it look more European. And now they're, they're keeping that theme with this car. So now that, that that America has accepted the C7 looks like an ex- a European car. And by the way, that's a great idea. You know, if if somebody looks like a, you know, superstar, let's have everybody look like a superstar. So they 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 did they and still keeping it Corvette like. Um, you know, I I like the back end uh, of this car to answer your question. And remember, there are two different back ends because there's a convertible version mm-hmm. which doesn't have that glass piece on the back window. Yeah. And then there's uh, the the coupe which does have the glass piece. And and we can talk about maybe with whether we like the glass piece or not. Do you like the glass piece, Mark? Uh, well, I wanted to take a quick yep, promo ahead, break. break here first, but um, we will get back to the, the coupe versus cor- uh, convertible C8 here on the Car Guys Report. If you like what you're listening to, that would be the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. Be sure to check out some of the other programs that are available on the Radio Misfits podcast network, like the show Minutia Men. It's an OPI show. Rick Kempfer and Dave Stern are consumers of worthless information, and every week they share their uh, take on what they have learned in the podcast called Minutia Men. You can check it out. Go to opishows.com or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. You can also search for us, to the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Mark Vernon, along with Luke Hostable and Roger Rexroad, were uh, knee-deep in part one of our uh, special two-part episode on the brand-new Corvette C8. And we were just talking about uh, the rear-end styling of the uh, new Corvette. One thing I did want to inject, too, though, is, you know, Roger, you were saying that it, it we're basically, in your opinion, looking at a 10-year-old design. But you got to remember that any car that comes out the design is a couple of years old anyway because it takes you know any car manufacturer that long once they sign off on a on a given design it's locked in more or less and they can't make huge changes to it because they got to ramp it up for production get the tooling ready and things like that so just to pick a few nits there that any car that comes out in a given year is probably two or three years old by the time it hits it anyway. But if so. they had this design 10 years ago... And Why they, didn't they update it? Right. And, yeah. they, and they had it Leading in the vault. Leading into it, yeah. And you're able to save a little bit of money because all the R&D and the design was already done. So, you know, one of the things that I was very uh, optimistic about is, oh, you can get the car for under $60,000. Okay, $5 under $60,000. Yeah. Nobody's going to be buying the $60,000 C8. Well, that's another question, too, is like, are you actually going to be able to find one or order one for fifty nine nine ninety five? Because supposedly now they're saying that GM is losing 20000 on each would lose or will lose twenty thousand on every base Corvette. And so far, the ones that have been tested have been... Uh, Eighty-eight thousand dollar 
you know, as tested prices. So that's another thing to, to, to consider. To get back to Lou's point as far as the rear window and the Corvette, uh, the coupe versus the convertible, this is the first retractable, I guess you'd call the retractable convertible or retractable hardtop that Corvette has made. And, and to me, there's not a lot of difference between the, it kind of surprises me. I don't know why they just don't make one model because the, the to me, the, the, the hardtop, what they call the convertible that retracts into the rear doesn't really look all that much different. I mean, you were saying it's got this rear window, and I didn't even really realize that until you brought it up. So I was just wondering why they're making the differentiation, because well, well, you can take the roof off the standard one anyway, right? Like the old Targa? Targa type, yeah. yes. So well, to well, me, it's let, almost let me add, too let similar. Let me answer your question. So the, the glass in the back uh, shows the engine off on mm-hmm. the coupe. And the convertible. A la Lamborghini and Ferrari and right. <laughs> all the other and, ones. And might I add, um, England, please wake up. You know, we don't want Jaguars to continue to have a big piece of plastic or Aston Martins or something like yeah. that. Show us your engine. Yeah. So, uh, and for that matter, Porsche, wake up. We want to see the engine again. Oh, but there's not much to see on a on a modern Porsche engine. There's a bunch see, of big fans in the back, and that's about it. I want to see yeah. two circles, <laughs> yeah, and then a mobile one. Detail. I want to <laughs> see two circles. I want to see two circles. Show me something that's making this. Well, how about your Viper too? You want to see that that V10 love, truck engine in it? <laughs> I love the Viper engine. Whenever there's not there, you know, there's no car show that I take the car to, and I say, let me show you the engine. And everybody, when I open it up, goes, <gasps> and that is awesome. You don't now, and, and well, let's stay with this I, one. So, I have noticed that when I go to a car show and I have the hood open on whatever car I've got there, it, it does tend to attract more people than just if you have the hood closed. Right. So, so or regardless if, of if it's my Saab or whatever, yeah. just well, well, when you show them an engine, whether it's the and even for example, we'll, we'll be at car shows, Roger, down downtown, and somebody will open up the back end of their Lamborghini, even though you can see it through the glass you still want to stick your head in there well as you say what, it's jewelry or whatever you call yeah, it it's, it, it should it, be it's jewelry. craftsmanship it's right. yeah and it and the engine should be jewelry so um you know as much as performance performance it's you know 750 horsepower you don't drive that on the street but you can see it on the street so if you can see it you know, and you're driving a car like this generally to be seen. I don't know anybody who would buy a Corvette and goes, gee, I, I want to put this under. No, you, you'd buy, you know, something much more subdued. So, so the convertible C8 with the retractable, it, can I'm, you see the engine? No. At, n- because not what at happens all. is the hard top goes back, back into that section over that where would it would be, be. Yeah. So that, that hard piece is now covering yeah. that. So. I, you know, maybe GM will solve that in, in the in future versions or something like that. But well, with that I, auto tinting like, glass that we talked about in a previous episode of the podcast, they could probably develop something where the where you could change the opacity of the um, panel when it's in place, and then when it retracts back, they could ch- ch- turn it to clear, and you could still see the engine. Yeah, you you might you know. So I mean, but but it also said something like because it is as a hard top convertible that you can be doing 30 miles an hour and activate your exactly yeah i mean that's you know most city high city roads you're doing less than 30 miles an hour at some point if you're coming to a stoplight and it said it did it in something like 16 seconds Mm -hmm. so it's more than fast enough at a which is great because if it starts to rain or something like that because you have the you have a convertible jaguar but it's just a standard i mean it's a power top but your power top probably works up until a certain speed too doesn't it 15 miles an hour yeah. You know, but and it's a soft top, so yeah. I mean you you don't want to turn it into a sailboat and all of a sudden lose your sail. Yeah. But would you take the coupe or the convertible in the new C eight? 
Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I would think I would start with I'm Roger. A, Roger, I'm going to pass for a second because I'm meditating that thought. Well, if I had to pick, I, I'm going to go with the coupe because yeah. convertibles are, I don't know, they're more a poser, I think. I've, I'm, I'm just not a convertible uh, guy. Wait, 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 wait. What, do you, what do you mean a po- po- poser? It's just not a <coughs> performance from a performance standpoint. You know, you, you don't have the uh, I understand what rigidity. you're saying. You yeah. have the rigidity with a convertible and convertibles. Well, oh, now, I got remember, my wife, put the top Remember, down. this is a hard top convertible, so you're still going to have the rigidity. I think the rigidity will be there because the car's been engineered from the start to yeah. be that way. So it's let's go modern. back. So now rigidity is not the case. What are you going to do? I'd, I'd rather have a coupe. Do you, you I want to w- see the engine? Be- it's not important because the engine cover is ugly on the car, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> the engine cover is glass. Oh, it's awesome. No, but I mean the, the plastic cover that's under the engine cover, it's ugly. You know how they're putting uh, all these plastic pieces on yeah. engines these we days? About and that yeah, and you can't, you can't well, uh, appreciate. Well, if we're talking about the, yeah, with the, the English and, cars, like the Aston Martin, you open it up and there's a whole other hood sitting there. Or, or, or Mercedes my, is like that, or, too. You open it up and it's got a bunch of, it's a beautiful right. honking V8 engine and, and it's got a bunch of plastic. Yeah, At least it says V8 on the plastic, the, but still. The, the Jaguar is the same way. It's terrible and, and, and you don't see anything on the, the, the Porsches anymore. Yeah. But go ahead. When you see a Ferrari at a show and you got that powder-coated, crinkled finish yeah, and then cool. you have those two extensions that look like fists. That looks awesome. Yeah. You're not going to see that on something like this. Well, it, it just doesn't it, look like that. I, you know, I don't know. I, I think you see enough engine that it's it, it still tickles you. It's not jewelry, I can tell you. Not compared to a Ferrari. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this is great. Good good point counterpoint here on the Car Guys Report. I'll call it jewelry. Automotive. You'll call it not That's why we don't always invite Roger into the studio. He's too controversial. <laughs> he brings Absolutely. these things up. We'll be back in just a minute. We have to take a break. We'll be back after this. This week on Minutia Men's Celebrity Interview, we talk with Bob Romanis. He played Mike Damone in the classic Fast Times at Ridgemont High. What is the strangest place that you have ever been recognized? I was floating down the Kern River up here in uh, Southern California, and uh, I had like a week's growth of beard, a baseball cap pulled over my eyes. <laughs> I'm floating in the middle of the river. Somebody yells out, hey, Damone! <laughs> <laughs> Minutia Men. Celebrity Interview, an Opie show only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great Talk Radio isn't dead, it just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. Lasano and Friends. Happy to be here today, Cheryl Scott, meteorologist. Hi, Fred Winston, Chicago radio guy. I'm Rob Hart in Chicago. How about that weather? This is a good show to do that. Yeah, what the hell, man? It's, uh, <laughs> I don't thought, blame the messenger. I'm not blaming the messenger. That's got to be the worst part about being a meteorologist. They blame you for the for, for the sun or the snow or right. whatever. I'm so. like everyone's best friend when it's sunny and 70. <laughs> and like yesterday, I was everyone's worst friend. Yeah. But I know that weather changes so dramatically. We do seven-day forecasts. And right. I go, well, seven days, it sometimes changes seven times in those seven days. <laughs> <laughs> but science is getting more and more accurate. Oh, it does. So, has the Earth been knocked off its axis? I, I, I keep hearing stuff uh, about that uh, from the conspiracy idiots at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and that's exactly <laughs> what we'll go with. <laughs> Masano and Friends. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. 
RadioMisfits.com. And we're back here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Mark Vernon along with uh, Lou Costable and our man in the field, Roger Rexroad, has come in from the cold today and is joining us for a special Corvette C8 episode part one. We're having a nice roundtable discussion on the pros and cons of Chevrolet's new Corvette C8. And uh, part two, uh, we're going to be talking... Uh, in ne- the next episode, we're going to be talking more about the performance aspects of, of, of the car and things like that. Right now, we're talking just about the overall styling, the, the pros and cons of the mid-engine layout, and whether um, it's going to be fully accepted in the marketplace, because there has been some pushback from loyal Corvette owners uh, that have owned many Corvettes in the past, and they're just saying, you know, I'm not into this uh, mid-engine type layout. Um, is there another car? I just thought of this. Is there any other car that you can think of in your mind that has done what the Corvette C8 represents, meaning changing from a front engine rear drive layout to a mid engine layout that you can come up with? You know that radical of a departure. I can't think of anything offhand. That- I cannot think of anything. Your uh, analysis of the uh, going from the 993 to the 996 uh, air cooled to yeah. water cooled. Yeah, that that's the only thing I can think of. But with this. Um, I can't. Can, oh, Porsche. Porsches had uh, you know front engine Porsches, but they but it didn't replace the model though. It wasn't a, it was a new model? So right. it's not like they took the 911s and all of a sudden said, okay, we're going to make it a front engine car. They wanted to replace the. 911. They were. They were. There's been talk. I mean, way back then. Yeah. I mean, there. Thank were, God, they didn't. Yeah. But that's why they brought out different models then. Obviously, like the 928 and the 924 and things like that. But they didn't get rid of the iconic car. Um, I mean, obviously. Going forward, I think another advantage of of this chassis, and and they're they're already talking about it, is the fact that it's got a lot of development potential from the standpoint of what we're seeing now is just scratching the surface. I mean, you know there's going to be all-wheel drive versions coming out. There's going to be supercharged versions coming out. There's going to be electric or electric hybrid versions coming out. So it's got a lot of potential. I see this car at some point, and it kind of looks like the new Acura NSX a little bit too, and that's a hybrid performance supercar and i could see corvette getting very close to what that car represents right now which take it or leave it we had a uh, scott crane was a, what was one of our guests here on the car guys report a few weeks ago and he's got a brand new nsx and it's got the the hybrid engine and and, and the uh, the hybrid motors and the, and the gasoline engine and the car is phenomenal i mean it's the, a stunning the, car yeah and it, the performance is amazing but is that really again part of what the Corvette DNA is about. Obviously, they're being somewhat forced to do this as the automotive landscape is changing, but um, it'll be interesting to see when these cars actually start hitting the road in person, um, how many we're going to see. I, I would be curious, to, too, to know what the insurance is going to be like on this car, because we touched on that previously. Like any Corvette, usually, even if you're buying it used, you know, you're going to pay more in insurance unless you're, you know, an older gentleman like myself. I'm not paying. I think I'm paying $77 every six months on my Corvette, but it's insured as a classic and limited use and things like that. But a brand new C8, and it's got to be a car that would be up on the sto- – because Corvettes for, for a long time were on the stolen list a lot. They would get they would get stolen, but I don't think they, they're up there that no, much anymore. No, they're not anymore. like a Camry or an Accord. So. I just remember I just remember like 20 years ago it just seemed like – or 30 years ago it just seemed like they were hot cars from that standpoint point but joyride basically i can't see somebody buying a stealing a corvette just to strip it down yeah. because you know what are you going to use the parts well for especially the, the mid-engine is not going to fit anything else in well, the, the corvette engine, lineup well, the, engine would, the engine would fit in something else but yeah like the, obviously like the, yeah like the staggered wheels aren't aren't really going to fit anything else i don't believe yeah 
What is your take? You had said that, you know, you're from Detroit. You've still got uh, family or friends there. Uh, you said that you've actually heard of people having maybe some somehow got a pre-production or an early delivery on, on them. My buddy Derek and I, we got into a little debate about it, and I, and I told him, you know, they're not out yet, and he, he showed me, uh, he took a picture of one. It had a, a man, did not have a manufacturer's plate on it. So he drives past the GM Tech Center at, in uh, in Warren, Michigan, yeah. every day on his way to work, and he has seen several cars. And he lives in Novi, Michigan, which is a western suburb of Detroit. And then you have the Milford Proving Grounds, which is Milford is just further west of Novi. So there's probably some people that you know nudge, nudge, hey, let me get my car. Yeah. So you know, is it an official car? I mean, it's got a it's got a regular license plate on it, so it's it. I mean. As far as I know, it's, it's got to be legit. So. It was interesting, too, that I was reading in one of the articles, they said that they're probably never going to, at least the IIHS, I'm sure GM had to crash test them or, or somehow. I mean, a lot of, I know they do a lot of virtual crash testing these days, <laughs> but they, I think they said the IIHS or one of those organizations will probably never crash test a C8. I'm not sure why. I'd be curious to see how it would, would fa- I'm sure it would fare well in the crash test, but I don't know why they would just not decide to crash test the C8 because it's such a talked about car. and It's a regular it's a production car. Yeah, so and it's why a, would you not crash and test it? And it's a totally it? new um, architecture as well, so you would be curious to it's see unknown. how it's unknown. Well, exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's something that just hasn't been done before, so um, it'll be interesting to see. I know, Lou, with your YouTube channel, My Car Story with Lou, um, you have not yet... Uh, taped a C8, but you've got a lot of important friends, and you're just kind of champing at the bit to uh, <laughs> get one, right? Well, yes, to answer your question. Um, the, the C8 has been so documented, though. Oh, it I is, mean, yeah. I mean, we've read know, so much on it in the last six months. So, so it's kind of funny, because as much as I'm interested to see one in person, which I am, you know, I'm not super eager to get one on the channel just because everybody else has one on the channel. But then when so, you give me the quiz game, it'd be like, which car killed yeah, it, Mark? Yeah. I'd be like, uh, let's go with the C8, Lou. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll find out, right? I mean, uh, uh, you never know. We'll we'll pair it to uh, Rogers 67, and uh, we'll see which one. We'll see which Not one even wins. Close. Actually, uh, <laughs> did you were you able to select some Corvettes for the guessing game? Because we were going to try to squeeze that okay, into we'll part do one. one. Quick, quick. And we can have game. Roger uh, give his guesses as well. Uh, what we do on every episode of the Car Guys Report here is uh, Lou picks three uh, cars that he has featured on his a YouTube channel, My Car Story with Lou, and I have to try to guess which one out of the three or which in order which ones had the most um views and today in honor of the uh, part one of the c8 uh, corvette episode he was going to pull three corvettes that he has uh, featured on his channel and now that we have roger in the studio too he can he can guess as well we have no idea what he picked this is not pre-planned or anything it's just our own uh guessing here as far as which one may have done the best and which would uh, have done the worst so are you ready to uh proceed well here's what we'll do is is of the list and i gra- grabbed about 50 cars i only actually have one corvette in the lineup and i have tons of corvette on the channel so if you go to my car story which means yeah you only brought a list of 50 I, and you only had one corvette on there and, yeah so, there's so, plenty of corvettes on your channel as so, you just said so we'll so. guess on who gets closer to the number will be the winner oh, okay great that's good so so it's a 69 Corvette four-speed in Burgundy, L89, Roger, the 427 engine sound with the standard hubcaps along with the side pipes, which were uh, a dealer option at that point. And uh, 
Now, remember, this is my channel, so it's, you know, the number could be various on somebody else's channel that's out there. So I just wanted to ask real quick. And this too, one's I, been out there for about a month. Okay. So what, I, I'm not real uh, up on L88s, L89s, L82s. What exactly is the L89? That's 427 tripod. Okay, so it's, okay. So it's got three, three, three two-barrel yeah, carburetors. Carbs, yeah. Right, and that's that's the basically the highest horsepower other than the L88. Right. Okay. That's cool. correct. It would sound awesome and with the side And the LAA, it's too. also a 427 in yeah. the big block class. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, that's a 12 and a half to 1 compression. Uh, very hard to keep the car idled. There was a sticker on the uh, radiator support, I believe. It said you had to run 115 octane wow. gas for it. Wow. So Good luck so, finding that so, today. <laughs> So, One of 16 made in 1969 wow. with the L88 Corvette, by the way. See, ladies and gentlemen, so, Roger Rexroad is just a, a font of uh, Corvette wisdom here, and that's why we like having him on board today. Uh, so, I have, so, let me, let, so let me give you some numbers. Yeah, range the maybe. Ab, the, yeah. In, in a week, which this car was in a week, the average usually is about 3,000 views. So I'm going to make this easy. Do you think this car in a week... A beautiful 427. Is it burgundy? It is burgundy, which mm. maybe is not the you know the brightest yeah. color. Do you think it has more than the average car in a week or less? We'll start with Mark, who has more experience I'll, at the game. I'll go, for some reason, I'll say less. Less. It's, it's definitely more because it's a, <laughs> a very unique car. It's a 427 tri-power. It's got those very cool side pipes that were like aluminum finned and it's got those very rare hubcaps so i'm going to say it's definitely over over no the question. average no question and the number on this car is 2,679. Mark's hands Good are job, up Mark. as in a touchdown, and Roger's head just fell backwards like I shot him in the forehead. So. But see, the thing is there, <laughs> not to diminish Roger's you know, enthusiasm and, and knowledge of it, I think a lot of people just don't appreciate, you know, oh, it's got side pipes. Maybe some guy put those on in his garage. Or, you know, I think those wheels are really and, boring because they're stock, me, but I can totally yeah, understand where right. you're coming from. And let me add, Roger, you're absolutely right. This car should have killed it on this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And this it's is so the rare. Fun, this is the funny part about the game when we play it is things that you would think like a car like that being so limited, iconic, all you know, all survivor looking should have just killed it. And we started it and we took it for a ride. I mean, it had all the features of tan interior or black. Uh, black interior. Black. Okay. Plus, so he had it, his nephew that kind of uh, debuted the car. Too. Yep. Yep. The nephew called the nephew. You, very good, Roger. The nephew. <laughs> I call, watch your channel. So. Yeah. The, the nephew called me up. Uh, actually, sent me an email and said, "I think my uncle's got a great car." I said, uh, "You know, I get a request like this." once in a while so i say sure you know send me a picture of the car he told me what it was he sent me a picture i'm like yeah where's he at so we went up there and we saw it and i interviewed the uh nephew real quick and said wouldn't it be great if we could see your uncle's car and the car came rolling up yes yeah, so cool it was, so it was, a, it was a good episode and when this car rolls up with the and they don't call it side pipes they call it something else the stock factory side exhaust or something yeah. or, or the dealer option factory. Yeah. So they, they call it something side exhaust yeah. or something. it has a really nice muffled sound oh, yeah, it, it, it sounds really sound. good sound, they're just so side pipes are so cool though you know that's one yeah. thing that that i wish they'd bring back i know the viper yeah. had modif modified modern side pipes yeah. and just what a cool option to have and on the one car thing also the about the 69 corvette that was the first year that they reintroduced the name stingray on the car because 
1968, when the Mako shark body came out, they took the name Stingray off the side of the car. And the C8's the first time they're reintroducing Stingray, right? Well, they had Stingray on the C7. Oh, they did? Okay. Right. But that's another thing. I I don't want to derail the show too much, but (laughs) I don't like the fact that they called this a Stingray because it's a... it's a new car. Yeah, so, so, so it shouldn't you, have the iconic name attached to why it. Why are you? Yeah. I mean, the logo looks great. That yeah. that modern-looking Stingray. But you had you brought the Stingray back for the C7. You have this clean sheet of paper, new car. Why would you bring that name back? It has no. It's a mid-engine Corvette. It has no lineage to the previous. Yeah. I think it's just a marketing decision, kind of like what Ford is doing with the uh, Mustang Mach-E electric (laughs) SUV, putting Mustang's name on it. And we'll talk about that a little bit more, too. Roger just cringed. I'm so proud that you cringed on that one. In part two of the C8 episode. But just make sure you check out Lou's (laughs) channel, uh, My Car Story with Lou, on YouTube. And you'll find uh, not only that uh, L89 Corvette we just talked about, but all kinds of incredible car videos, over 1,600 videos on his YouTube channel. If you like what you're listening to, the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. It's an OPI show. You can uh, get it wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts. That would be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We're just everywhere. All you have to do is search for Radio Misfits. You can also hit Google, search for Radio Misfits, or search directly for the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. You'll find us. And when you uh, find us and start listening to us, we certainly uh, thank you for listening to us. And make sure you subscribe because you'll get an automatic notification whenever there's new content, which is uh, roughly once a week. And also, please, to take a moment to rate us as well. We've got some nice reviews on Apple Podcasts and certainly like to uh, get some more positive feedback on the different podcast platforms. And the best thing to remember about any podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network is the fact that they are totally free. It's listening whenever you want to listen, whether you're on your phone, your laptop, your tablet, your desktop, any kind of mobile device that you have. You can uh, fast forward, rewind, replay, go back and re-listen to episodes, do whatever you want, because that's the beauty of podcasts with the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Mark Vernon, along with uh, Luke Costable and Roger Rexrode, we're nearing the end of part one of our special Corvette C8 episode. And just any final thoughts, gentlemen, on um, the styling aspects of the uh, C8? Um, You know, the mid-engine design obviously dictated a lot of what they did. I think one thing that I've been reading a lot in, in the car magazines is the fact that the car just has too many lines in it that don't really have a purpose they just kind of start and stop and 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 i know lou likes the rear end roger and i don't i'm i'm okay with the front end and the side view i just think it's too derivative of too many other mid-engine cars out there roger's calling it a ferrari lou is like the big defender here of of the car so any any final thoughts here on roger will let you go first well you're you're the guest okay thank you well the taillights uh this is your halo car and why should you Look at the taillights and have it associated with a lowly Camaro because they also did that on the. C- You're right. Yeah. They also did this on the C7, and then the, actually the Chevy Malibu has a very similar taillight. Here was your opportunity to come back to the round taillights, and then you doubled down on the Camaro taillights. The only thing they did, I would say they did right, is if you look at a C7 rear end, the valance panel goes halfway up. So no matter what color you have, unless it's black, that 
on a C7, it dominates the back of the car. It's very polarizing. Half of it's gloss black. So at least they did that right. And I do like the exhaust on the side, but those Camaro taillights, yeah. they did not learn their lesson on the C7 and double down on a clean sheet of paper where they could have did a round taillight, look like the taillights on the new uh, Ford GT. Oh, beautiful. You could have did two of those on each side. Anything. But then people would say they're copying Ford. Yeah, but you could have just, you know, maybe angled them or something, did something different. But this, those taillights, ugh. Lou? I think the car's perfect. So, <laughs> I mean, uh, um, and, and I say perfect in the fact that it kept the General Motors Chevrolet C7 flavor throughout it, which is why I think it's been so well accepted. Because if this car wouldn't have been accepted, we'd be talking about one of the biggest failures. But we're now talking about one of the biggest talks of the decade, and they really put the engineering. I think every line looks right. Do I think it's going to be improved over time? Probably. But you know what? Sometimes, Roger, sometimes you build a 57 Chevy one time. I knew he was going to say that. And that's it, meaning it was kind of coming up to that point. And I know you have a 58. Mark, you know I love your 58, too. 58 Impala. 58 Impala. But the 57 Chevy, that design will always say... 50s Chevrolet. Yeah. And this design, especially being the first mid-engine car for Chevrolet as a Corvette, will always have you. You will have to turn your head if this is coming. It's just that. Well, simple. yeah, everyone's going to turn their head because they've been waiting to see it. Right. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm yeah. sure the first time I, I see one, I'll be like, hey, there it is. Finally. Uh, you know? Okay. I'm going to defend them again. If you didn't know it was coming and you didn't know there was a mid-engine Chevy. I think a you, lot of people aren't going to. It's not going to stand out if, to the non-car people you, that if much. If you were a non-car person, great point. If you were a non-car person and didn't know what, what it was, and this came driving up alongside you, you would still be pulling You'd look at it just out. because you yeah. think it's a, a Ferrari or something. You wouldn't necessarily recognize it as the Corvette. That's, that's what I'm saying. Okay and you think that's me. okay? If that's, really? If that's your problem, that we think that this is a high-end exotic, that's a wonderful problem to have. So, Lou, what, yep. it, what is this car's party piece? Is it the boomerang that's on the side of the car? Because having that clean sheet of paper, they could have did one thing that said, that is way better than a Ferrari. That's way better than a Lamborghini, and I just don't see it. Yeah. Okay, so let me answer your question. First of all, the front end, I think, is you know not the party piece because we saw that in the C7. I think, that, I think yeah, the front end is totally derivative of the C7, so and the, that's why it has that familiarity to it so that the, I like. So the vent in the side that you're calling the boomerang is... The halo piece, yes. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Well, we have spoken on the exterior styling of the new Chevy uh, C8 Corvette. Uh, Lou uh, Costable and Roger Rexrode in the studio. We're going to wrap up part one right now and make sure you join us for part two of our very special Corvette C8 episode here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Mark Vernon, once again, uh, like I said, along with Lou Costable and Roger Rexrode, like to say special thanks to you for listening to the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, and special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with opishows.com. If you're wondering the word opi, what the heck is that? Well, it's the word hippo spelled backwards o-p-p-i-h shows.com distributed by ed silha with radio misfits great talk radio isn't dead it just moved to a better place and that would be radiomisfits.com the proceeding was a presentation of opi productions find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts including opishows.com 
Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? I'm Steve Baskerville. I'm Howard Sudbury. I'm going to show you my doodle. <laughs> can you see my doodle from where no. you are? You know who else? Walter Jacobson would doodle. And his doodle one day was close to my doodle. <laughs> he, uh, so you've seen his doodle? Sure. Uh, <laughs> he's seen your doodle. He's seen my doodle more than one day. <laughs> Back to you with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. Back to you, an Opie show only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. Direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. Rock on TV. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications. From bandstand to gaga, let's rock on TV. For info and tickets, visit museum.tv. This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. On this week's Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. Corona beer virus. A fat owl. I'll have a nice beer. My brush with Harry Carey. And we welcome Anthony Scaramucci, the mooch. All that in unlimited tangents on this week's Minutia Men. The Tony Lasano Podcast, an Opie production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Radiomisfits.com. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, it's part two of our special Corvette C8 episode, as only the Car Guys Report can do. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me, Luke Costable, and our man in the field, Roger Rexroad, for part two of this very special episode of the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.